uh, lovely backdrop you got there. Yeah. Where is it? It's, uh, it's a typical green school Bali backdrop. I don't think you could find almost anywhere on, on, on our campus that doesn't really look like this. Actually, uh, this is probably one of the, the less impressive ones. Right now, I'm in, uh, in the sort of parent co-working space uh, at green school. So I've hid from my, from my teachers and, and peers and, uh, and come here to talk to you. So you can probably hear perhaps a band in the background and some other stuff. Yeah, there's a bit of a, a yeah. bit of a sweeping sound, and hopefully that's not the yeah that sounds like actual background noise. So, but that's all yeah. authentic. So, um, yeah, well, you get the whole green school image then, the whole experience. Awesome. So, look, thanks for joining. So, you are you literally in school today? You're on a break, are you? Or, or... I am. I am literally in school today. So, well, actually, I'm. I'm not. I'm not uh, in break. I'm. This is my class. So, oh, okay. uh, I'm a. I'm a senior student now. Uh, graduate in June. Uh, and uh, and once we sort of the system we have at Green School is credit based. So once we sort of move towards the end of graduation, uh, I've fulfilled all of my credit requirements, which means uh, I am technically already qualified to graduate. Um, and so I have these sort of study periods where I can uh, where I can sit down with 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 parents. I can sit down and, and work on on different projects. So a lot of the learning we do here is project based. And the closer you sort of get to graduation, the more time you have for these projects. Um, which is also sort of how, how Dung Beetle started, right? How I started on this journey is, uh, you know, there's, there's time to let your creativity sort of take you away, uh, which is really nice. Cool. Well, look, we're here to talk about Dung Beetle, obviously. And, you know, for me, having plenty of experience in that kind of uh, initial startup phase, which I suppose is where you're mm. at with Dung Beetle, and we'll get you to talk about it in a yes. minute. But even before we do, how are you juggling all this? Because being a, what are you, 17? In, 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 I mean, you're. <laughs> I just a, turned 18. Just turned 18, just senior turned 18. student, yeah. trying to presumably deal with all the uh, pressures of, of school life and at the same time jumping into <laughs> into a startup. But yeah, tell us how you're dealing yeah. with it all. But also at the same time, yeah, let's give our audience, give, give us a, a brief on Dung Beetle, the work you do, what it's all about. I mean, yeah, sure. I've, let's start off with Dung Beetle. So I, uh, you know, let's start off with Greenstone, actually. So when you graduate Green School, uh, instead of doing uh, tons of different exams and sitting down for hours and then, you know, memorizing entire history books, what we do is we work on something we call Greenstone, which is sort of like a capstone project uh, that students in, in, in year 12 work on the entirety of, of the year. And then we pitch it in 34 days in front of 600 people at a sort of TEDx style event. Um, and so there it is, you know, that's actually how I'm juggling it, right? There's, there's, there's really room for, for being your own sort of time organizer. And I've managed to put a lot of my efforts and focus towards working on, on this project. So my Greenstone, my Capstone project, um, started out as, 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 as Dung Beetle started out as a, as a Greenstone project. And, and pretty quickly I realized that, um, rather than just do a fancy research paper and, and, a, and, and a good presentation, um, I can have a, a much bigger impact if I started a company. And so I pitched it to a few green school parents, uh, one of which is sitting next to me right now, actually. Um, and so we started a startup. And, and, and what we do at Dung Beetle is uh, we work with, with underestimated and underappreciated but strong eco-warriors, especially uh, since we're based in Indonesia, in, in Bali and, 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 and Indonesia. Uh, and there are loads of those. You know, uh, We have 40 million farmers across Indonesia that live for less than $4 a day. Um, and they're super small scale. We probably have more than 40 million farmers. We just know of 40, 40 million small scale farmers, right? Um, and so the problem with these, uh, with these small scale eco projects and the problem with, with the farmers is 
since they're so small scale, very few companies are trying to address them and help them, right? Obviously, there's a huge potential for good doing there, uh, huge green potential. Um, and so we work with, with small scale companies uh, and we have access to lots, a lot of small scale companies here at Green School um, that sort of have these small scale solutions for, for, for Indonesian farmers, for small scale reforestation in Bali, uh, you know, things like that. Um, that typically don't have the volume or the or the or the budget to get carbon standards certified, um, and so you know, long story short, our, our solution to to the high costs, avoiding the high costs associated with with carbon consultants and sort of getting the typical way of getting your carbon credit certified is is using little IoT devices. So, uh, you know, one thing we do, which is actually helping the Indonesian farmers, is we 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 work with this company called Shoko, and Shoko is founded by this fantastic guy Takashi. Um, who's a Japanese eco-scientist. He has a PhD from Sweden, went to Oxford. You know, he, he, he really knows his stuff, widely recognized. Um, and he's made Indonesia's first truly small-scale biogester. So biogesters are these things that we install with these uh, local farmers and they put their cow manure into one end. Out of the other end comes organic fertilizer and biogas. And so the farmer no longer uses chemical fertilizer and the farmer, uh, you know, no longer uses... Uh, LPG powered fossil fuel gas, or at least they, they sort of, uh, you know, diminish their, 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 their usage a lot. And so um, what we do is we have these little flow meters on these biogesters. And so rather than have someone go and do a sample to sort of, uh, you know, these things exist, uh, verification, um, we use these flow meters to send live data of, you know, is the farmer using the biogester? How much biogas is the farmer using? How much uh, organic fertilizer is he getting out of it? Um, you know, we can see the pressure, we can see the flow. And so what we do with this data uh, is we build these little dashboards um, and we let people actually track it in real time. Um, and so we, we really focus on the small scale projects, right? There, there are loads of solution for, solutions for big companies, uh, loads of solutions for, for people who already have a, a lot of money. Um, but the, the, the part of the market that's really undersupplied uh, I find is is the dung beetles. You know, they're sort of left down here on the financial level, digging around the dung, uh, and no one's really talking about them, and they don't have the the platform to do it themselves. Um, yeah. Cool. Good. Good. Um, well, firstly, yeah, I mean, great little pitch of the business, but I suppose initially before that, I mean, the fact you're doing this at school, I mean, who knows? This mm. may this may take the green school to kind of. Uh, you know, open up their program even more and make it into a kind of mini accelerator because you're kind of or that, you could hope so. You're, you're at that <laughs> or incubator rather. You're kind of at that stage where you're incubating the business, and mm. you know, hopefully yes. through this process that you're running with the school, that it will, you know, bring funding in. But um, but blockchain. I want to talk about the blockchain element. It's clearly mm-hmm. a a structural part of of your startup in terms of how you're taking it to market. Do, do you see mm. it as a an absolute a, a necessity in terms of a foundation of what you're doing, or do you just see it as, you know, solving a certain problem that you could solve in, in a number of different ways? Oh, that's a good question. I, mean, I think it's a combination of the two, you know, often people ask me, so are you a blockchain company? Um, and I, and, and the answer is, is always, no, we're not a blockchain company. We, you know, blockchain is a tool that we use to verify data and verify ownership. Uh, and make it transparent, right? So one of the really big issues that the carbon, the voluntary carbon markets is facing is no one really knows what's going on, uh, especially the, the, the consumers, the, the people who, who, who pay these companies to do this carbon sequestering. They, they, they have no way of really knowing uh, 
you know, what the actual data is. If you have a plot of 20,000 hectares of forest, how do you know what exact trees your two carbon credits, so two tons of carbon are coming from? You don't. Um, so, so it's all based on estimates. Um, and so blockchain for us uh, is a tool to verify, you know, project assistance uh, and more or just make the data transparent. So actually, um, you know, it's an ongoing tech, like, tech development stage that we're having is, is, is how do we integrate blockchain as much as possible? But how do we more, how, like, how do we dumb it down enough for completely normal people to understand what's going on? Blockchain is one of those things that is, um, you know, much like carbon credits, you know, made out to be something it's not. People hype yeah. it up. People use terms and buzzwords that make it seem more complex than it is. Um, and so if you can sort of explain it in really simple terms uh, and make it super easy to understand, I find that is where that's the sort of sweet spot where things get done. Um, and so blockchain serves as a really nice tool to be able to get that transparency. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, this is having done, you know, kind of four years and, and still connected with with a, a a startup in that space. It's part of the mm. problem is blockchain. It's It's a valuable tool, if you want to call it a tool, but talking about it makes it less valuable and it's almost being able to just convey the, the benefit rather than the feature of it to to customers yes. but i i certainly you know looking at your pitch deck and and some of the stuff you did i thought that was done well um mm. going back to this this grassroots kind of i don't know if that's the right expression but you mm. know these these dung beetle projects so mm -hmm. you know i and and correct me if i'm wrong but when i look at what you're doing and and how you communicated it there it feels to me like you're you know, somewhat circumventing these standards, which are good things. You know, we need mm -hmm. we need standards. We need um, structure around this marketplace. Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, eradicate greenwashing altogether. But what we don't want to do is, you know, create less opportunities for these dung beetle type projects. Is that what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Creating more of a direct path potentially for someone who wants to invest in in one mm -hmm. of these, you know, lower range projects. One of these, yeah projects that get out yeah, into so, the farming communities and yeah yeah exactly yeah so the end goal the end goal is really to you know provide these projects a way of actually participating in the carbon markets right often uh they don't have any way of participating in the markets at all uh and so they'll need to grow to a certain scale where they have enough units for, to make it you know financially viable to actually get the carbon credit certified which can take many many years uh if you're operating on such a small scale with a product that costs almost nothing and is generating no revenue you know if if you can't sell the carbon from a biodigester how do you make money from it right the farmer doesn't can't afford the 550 bucks it costs to install it so it has to come out of your pocket um and that can quickly become expensive uh especially if you have no revenue already so um so dung beetle's purpose is actually just providing a way for these you know companies to participate in these markets but for more than that uh you know, we've found that the most authentic guys uh, doing these projects are actually the small scale people, right? They're not, they're not making yeah. any money from it yet. So they're, they're, they're motivated for the right reasons. Um, and so guys like Takashi, who could, you know, have all sorts of scientific jobs elsewhere, is, is struggling with a small scale startup uh, because he's on a mission to help small scale farmers in Indonesia. And that's yeah. what he really, truly cares about in his heart. And so telling his story um, is really valuable. So, so more than anything, Dung Beetle is, is actually a, a storytelling business. We tell the stories of these underestimated eco-warriors. We value the, the co-benefits just as much as we value carbon sequestration. So carbon offsetting is obviously a huge market, and it's where the majority of money is, is being made. But um, we also care about you know, soil biodiversity, 
we care about that the farmer is no longer using chemical fertilizers, which means the health of uh, the, the, the farmland is, is better. Uh, the air quality in the farmer's home significantly increases. And so the farmer is less prone to, you know, to diseases. Um, and so there's, there's loads of co-benefits that are very hard to price, that are very hard to tell the story of with the, the traditional, you know, carbon model and these traditional standards. Um, so, uh, so we're trying to create our own model where we can verify these eco projects in a more financially, you know, financially sustainable model, uh, where we can value the, where we can value these co-benefits. Um, and it's difficult. It's a difficult business to be in, uh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult. And I, I, I completely agree. This The co-benefits are massive. Obviously, what we do is all about that. You know, we, yes, mm. we are environmentally focused, but we're about social impact as well. We're about farming communities. We're about soil health, about crop mm. yields. I mean, there's all these. And, and actually, I'm, I truly believe, of course, there's going to be carbon you know carbon removal technology out there such as direct mm. air capture we're going to have these other you know other pieces of technology but yeah the the kind of grassroots community-based models are so important for longevity mm. um in terms of being you know i'm an investor i want to put money in in not not to you and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but into mm. i want to fund one of these projects i might be a business so how am i and this is probably where i imagine the the challenges and and some of the roadblocks are how how are you enabling that blockchain can be tricky in terms of it can be really valuable but it can be tricky in terms of a traditional person wanting to put in a hundred dollars or, or however the model works how are you getting around that how are you solving that problem for someone who wants yeah, to invest so in impact it's a very good question because if you want to you know we you we we have we use nfts and when i say that people usually roll their eyes and think of animated pictures of monkeys on the internet <laughs> that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars but have no real utility you know no one really knows what they do yeah. uh, and and what people sort of tend to forget is nfts have a really nice tech aspect of a non-fungible token which means there's, there's there's only one right there's no replicate you can't duplicate an nft because it's, it's layered on blockchain and so we we sort of distribute these nfts these little badges of hey this this eco project um is legitimate we installed it we hereby approve its existence and we distribute these to our to our users whether you're a company whether you're a green school parent who wants to offset the flight home um and so when people have to purchase these if they have to purchase them with with crypto uh either they have to be sort of a crypto nerd like me and be able to to do it themselves or i have to sit down with them and you know go through the purchase process and obviously that isn't a very sustainable model so we're, we're all we're really trying to do is um having separate payment methods and then being able to send that nft afterwards um and so you know, we, we, we need to have some sort of onboarding where people can pay using different methods because otherwise it becomes an unsustainable model of me having to not only introduce my own technology and explaining that to people, but also having to ex explain a whole other universe of blockchain and crypto. Uh, and, you know, the, the more you have to educate your consumer, um, the, the more time they have to put into it, the less likely they are to, to, to stay with you. And so we really have to, you know, that's you're completely right. It's one of the struggles is, is simplifying that process. Um, which is what we're all about. Um, so yeah. How are you doing it? <laughs> if I can drill down, are you? What are you doing? <laughs> like a, a kind of concierge service, or are you? Are you yeah. just? Yeah. 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 So okay. right now we're 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 low volume. You know, we 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 just started our pilot. Most of our customers are green school parents, which makes it incredibly easy to to sort of help them. Bigger clients, companies. You know, we're working with a few resorts here in Bali. Um, 
you know, we we will send a, a completely normal invoice, and then we'll send them the NFTs afterwards, and I'll help them create their wallets and stuff like that. So yeah. we're trying to minimize the blockchain exposure. Um, yeah, as much as possible. Cool. What What's your um? I mean, I'm interested to know as a you know as mm. a, a young lab, what's your view on the whole kind of broader environmental sustainability space in terms of the future? Mm. Do you, you know, I mean, there's government, there's business, there's individual. Do you? You know, how do you see it rolling out? I know this is a very big question, but yeah. you know, over the next ten years. But do you, you know, how do you, I suppose? How do you see the role of startups and business within it? You know, when you align mm. yourselves to governments and individuals. That's a very good question. Um, I think right now, if you're looking, just generalizing everything, looking especially in the West and, and Denmark, Copenhagen, America, you know, these places where I'm from as well. The, we're sort of plagued by this green disconnect. Yeah. Everyone's afraid of climate change, but no one really knows what to do about it, right? Uh, and it sort of becomes a sense of apathy towards it, and either you are completely consumed by it, uh, or you choose to ignore it. Either way, you, like there's no there's no way to really take action, right? So, and the problem with that is the only way to get rid of anxiety or apathy is to do something about it and take action. Uh, and so I think that's why we're having so many eco startups and, and regenerative startups and green startups. And I think uh, if we manage to create a space where we can have some really authentic people uh, in these startups, just driving it forward, I think that's going to lead. Uh, personally, I think that's what's going to lead it. Um, people, people say these things all the time. You know, this is not my struggle. This is not my problem to really overcome. We'll let the politicians handle it. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is it's way too slow. The good thing about a startup is it moves way faster, right? If they have a good idea, if they have a good product, they can just channel it out. Um, and so you're seeing loads of those small-scale companies, even bigger companies, uh, really shifting their ways now. Um, and so I, I see, I see a world where startups are actually leading the way, and not governments. Uh, but I could be wrong. They could have a change of mind suddenly. <laughs> no, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope you're right. I mean, I, I think start the startup ecosystem has come incredibly long way in the last 20 years, right? It's it's mm. it's quite different now than it was 20 years ago. I, I mean, not that I wouldn't have been able to start up a business when I left school, which wasn't 20 years ago; it was longer. Mm. But uh, but um, it it certainly wouldn't have been quite as easy, I imagine. And, and I suppose a segue to a question in terms of the you know the, the kind of mentorship and support. Did you just go out on your own and say, "Hey, I'm going to start a." A business here and you had the idea and then you looked out reached out for mm. people or or you know do you already have that structure and i know barley as well has a little bit of a kind of vibe in terms of startups right mm. so it's, yeah very much so yeah talk us through because i think this is useful for anyone young thinking about starting mm. a business but what what did you go through as an individual wanting to start a business how did you find the right team the right mentors yeah talk to as many people as possible it's really the right like i, I mean uh, just an example is how we met each other. Uh, I was featured in, a, in an article in Eco Business. They, they, how I got featured in that article is I was introduced by the journalist who wrote it by someone at my school, right? So it becomes I met someone at my school who knows this guy, who thinks it's interesting, who writes about me. I'm, I'm introduced to you because you read it and you post it on LinkedIn and I get a bunch more exposure. So it's really this dominoes effect of people want people want to help you if you're young if you have a good idea if you have a startup you talk to to especially older guys they they sort of look at you and go i wish 
someone had helped me when I was that age. I, and you know, there's there's a real people want to help each other. Um, so you shouldn't be very you shouldn't be too afraid of doing so. I was very afraid of going up and talking to people and just saying, "Hey, I got this idea and I think it's cool. What do you think? Is there any way you can help me?" People people tend to be scared. Um, in terms of how I did, it, I was very blessed with being at Green School. Green School has an awesome community of parents. Uh, we have a lot of parents uh, that have been in the startup world. I mean, Tony Fidel went here. We have multiple entrepreneurial parents who you know started businesses and then moved to Bali with the families to sort of take a uh, a year of taking it still and then end up staying here for multiple years. Um, so, so what I did was I I started talking. I started talking in that community. I started. Uh, talking to green school parents and pretty quickly I found uh, I found this guy Luke Jansen uh, he's sitting next to me now actually um, he started he started Tiger Spike uh, company back in the day uh, and grew it to 300 people uh, across a number of countries with with 50 million dollars in revenue and, and later sold it right he came he actually came here to Bali with his family so that his kids would go to green school same with my parents they did the same thing um, and so talking to him, we sort of had the same idea at the same time uh, and it worked great. Um, and so he said, why don't let's start a company together? And so that's a very unique case. I think it's rare that you sort of come across someone who's willing to start a company with a 17 year old as a, as a CEO. Um, but we sort of ended up doing it and it's going pretty well. Um, so, so, you know, yeah, talk to as many people as possible. Yeah, net, network is massive. Hey, you're right. I mean, I, I can't, I must have seen your, I read your article. I think I get a, a you know, a regular email from EcoBusiness. So I must have seen it then and we chatted on LinkedIn. Mm. But yeah, network is everything. Mm. So, I mean, on that note, you know, people may be listening now, maybe looking, what, where are you guys at in terms of stage? What are you looking for? What kind of support do you need mm. in terms of, of an organization today, a startup? Yeah, talk us through what stage mm. you're at and what you're looking for next because there may be people on here, maybe people listening that can help you on the next mm -hmm. part of your journey. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're very early stage. We're currently uh, raising seed. Uh, we have, we recently were in Singapore to, to pitch to a number of VC firms, and now we're sort of also looking into a number of angels because there are uh, some really good angels here in the Green School Network that obviously have a special interest in, in, in environment and, and nature, uh, green tech companies that we sort of fit into that box of. Um, so we're, we're very early stage. We are launching our new dashboards to let you track all the data live. Uh, just this month, uh, so very very soon, um, and so there's you know there's a number of things you can do to support. You don't really have to spend any money with us, although that's that's obviously a way to do it. Um, uh, yeah, so so we're we're really just looking to to branch out, talk to as many people as possible, meet new eco projects. I mean, a huge thing we're doing right now is onboarding the next cohort of small scale companies that we want to help, um, and so we're, we we. We have a, a lot of top of the funnel supply here at Green School. We have a lot of small scale companies that are, that are interested in working with us. So really what we have to do is sort through them and, and see which ones are, are, are the ones we like the most. Um, obviously, you can't help the entire world at the same time, uh, although that is something I would like to, to do. Um, you can't. Uh, so, so, yeah. The, we're trying to do everything at once <laughs> there's there's actually you, you just prompted another question actually there's um there's a lot of those i mean i speak to a lot of these small projects funnily enough a couple in bali in the last week but um mm. give us a in terms of the profile if 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 you can of the type mm. of organization that best fits 
you know, partnering with, with Dung Beetle and, and hopefully mm. going out there and being able to sell credits, raise funding and, and work within your model. What What is a typical, obviously small, you know, small scale on the ground? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so very small scale. Uh, often they'll have, you know, uh, uh, a long background in, in what they're doing. You know, Takashi has a long outstanding degree in, and all of these things and now that's led him to make the ninth version of of the biogester with a third version of flow media and it's finally working the way he wants it to so there's a huge history leading up to it of of fighting for it um you know chayden went to green school found mo who was a green school teacher studied it for years goes goes to local universities and studies the indigenous you know native landscape of bali so the, so so the, the real authentic eco projects that we want to work with they care so much about what they're doing that they have no time for anything else. And so it's very rare that you'll see uh, Junglo go out and try and make an aggressive sales pitch. It's very rare you'll yeah. see Takashi ever get on a stage to talk about his biogestice. And so they don't really have time for publicity and press. They don't really have time for, uh, you know, for, for lengthy sales pitches or B2B sales um, because they, they're too busy developing the next version of the product and, and bettering it. Another thing we're really looking into is we're looking into very easily trackable projects, right? So the Biogester is great uh, because it has a flow meter, so we can send that data to our systems very easily. It's very easily trackable. We don't have to go there and visit it all the time. So we're looking for projects that have that element of either it has a sensor already or it's very easy to implement something that can track the, the, the project. Um, yeah, so so things like that. I mean, there's really no specific one model you have to fit into this box over here sure. uh, for us to want to work with you. Um, but it's typically, you know, very small scale, has a good background in it, has a history of fighting for it, already has, you know, a number of projects, small scale projects out there. Um, it's working, it's proven, um, but for very early stage. Um, cool. And so, so that's the sort of typical model we work with. Yeah. Cool. And I know... I mean, you obviously you're based in Bali, so mm. predominantly or, or only, I, I imagine, in the early stages, mm. Indonesia focus in terms of your your network of, of projects, and then mm. internationally focused in terms of in you know trying to attract investors, customers around your marketplace. Yeah, so we we, we started off here in, in Indonesia with with Junglo and 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 Shoko, uh, but we also actually have a project. Uh, in Wales, we managed to okay. make the first ever cool. NFT of a duck, and we want cool. on a quest to make the world's first carbonated duck eggs uh, with a with a with the only organic farm producer of, of duck eggs in the UK, uh, Park Carrick. Um, I actually sort of like telling this story because it proves how difficult it is to be in this business. You know, Park, Park Carrick, the guy who started Josh, quit his job. Uh, he was actually working in Luke's company before, so that's how we know him uh, to start a regenerative organic dog farm. Uh, you know, it's a very rare move, but yeah. clearly he really cared about what he was doing, right? And so he started it during COVID, feed prices uh, sort of went up even more so when you had the Ukraine, Russia, Russia war, you, soy prices went up. And so it became very expensive to keep the flock alive. Um, and so we made, uh, we included them in our little eco project cohort and said, okay, well, we're going to go out and try and create the world's first carbon negative dug eggs. And if we manage to get enough funding together, not only will they survive the winter uh, without going bankrupt, uh, they'll also be able to buy feed systems where they can feed the carbon uh, ducks in a way where they're carbon neutral. And then they could do other practices on their farm that would, in fact, make them measurably carbon negative. Um, unfortunately, 
in a sort of quest to make that farm financially sustainable, they sort of get an export license. Uh, and they're a very small farm. So usually you wouldn't have to do this. Uh, but they got salmonella tested and one of the ducks had salmonella. Uh, uh, and so the UK government's gone in and, and said, you know, you've, you've got to kill these ducks. Um, luckily, no one got sick. But, uh, but it, it sort of comes to show how difficult it is to do these things. Yeah. Um, and, and my sympathy goes out to him. Uh, incredibly hard situation to be in. And so we try to support them as much as possible. Luckily, it seems like there's a way out where we can keep working with them as well. Um, but the, 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 it, it's, it's hard to find the, the just the right people at just the right time. Um, that's but yeah, pretty, we, we sort of that's a pretty, managed to launch. I mean, that's a pretty unique project anyway. But um, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I suppose going back to recorrect to correct myself then. So you're not so you're looking at projects. It's less about the location. It's more about the profile of being a small yeah. grassroots project that's looking to, you know, kind of reach out beyond the traditional standards and use your structure and verification processes to do that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It is less about location and more about the track, you know, the trackability aspect of it. Um, but obviously being in Indonesia is a huge advantage because we can go and, and, and see the eco project in action. Uh, so that is obviously our main focus. We launched our pilot with Parkeric one because we saw a world where we could actually help them uh, survive, uh, but also because we thought it'd be really interesting to prove that we could launch internationally. Right, that's a huge aspect uh, of this business: is are you able to facilitate eco projects in multiple countries? Um, and and yes, we were. Unfortunately, it sort of went wrong, but uh, but but we we proved that our model works. So so that was really nice. But yes. Well, this is, uh, I mean, the nature of the startup game is, yeah, you know, test, <laughs> fail and learn, test, fail and try, learn, fail, fail and, and yeah, redesign. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> um, Freddie, I didn't have any other questions. I don't know if there was anything I didn't ask that you'd, you'd like to share. Otherwise, be great to share more about, y y you know, your details, where people can find out, get in contact. Mm. It's great to hear your story. Mm. Inspirational, to be honest, to hear you know, uh, a kid at school launching a startup. I'm sure you're not the only one, you know, people are getting younger and younger launching startups. Yeah. But yeah, great story and wish you all the best. But yeah, if there's anything else you want to share, otherwise, where can people find out and, and learn more about Dung Beetle and get in contact? Well, I, th I think we've covered it pretty well. You know, um, anyone who's listening to this now really should go out and check Green School. Uh, just to learn a little bit about it. It's really cool. If you have kids uh consider coming here one day especially in high in high school it's, it's a totally awesome place to be and definitely the best school i've ever been in i've been in you know i've been in danish schools public schools private schools i've been in ib schools um i've been i've, I've tried i've tried i've tried a bit of everything uh green school by far beats them all um uh yeah people can sort of if they want to look into look into dung beetle get in touch with me uh one instagram dungbeetle.io where find our website dungbeetle.io find us on pretty much any social media platform find me on linkedin uh freddie hedigard you know just get in touch with me i'm very happy to talk to pretty much anyone who's interested um yeah awesome well for anyone, find us. anyone listening or watching <laughs> i will um put all of those links in the in the speaker notes so please uh, reach out to freddie if you've got more questions on on dung beetle or if you you know, want to want to invest or support. So yeah, please get in touch with Freddie. So um, yeah, cool, mate. It's been good to to chat, and we shall keep in contact. I appreciate you taking the time in, in your in your afternoon to to join the podcast. So yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. My pleasure. Cheers.